It was I who fueled interest in the Yeti. It was I. I know. I'm not sure uh, if in Russian if that has the same pomp and circumstance. I'm not sure either, but it sounds fun. Twas I who concocted a Yeti. Hello, welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And today we're doing a wintry topic, the Yeti, otherwise known as the Abominable Snowman. A frosty menace. <laughs> or a gentle giant. Or a bear. Oh, really? It might just be a bear? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> There's a good chance this thing's just a, a sweet bear? <laughs> TLDR, it seems that it's a bear. Hold on, you're saying there might not be a frosty human man monster? I don't think there's a bipedal man monster, at least not on our physical plane. Perhaps it's manifesting otherwise, but um, I don't know if we no, can go down that rabbit it's a hole. Bear. Not today, we can't. I didn't do any research into that. But, yeah, fair enough. You know, I know that that's a thing. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. So, probably a bear is what we're going to tell you about this episode. Yeah. <laughs> but we're going to pretend it's not a bear, just like everybody else on the planet. Yeah, exactly. Because it's just fun. It's just fun. Um, before we go into it, I just wanted to thank very quickly because I couldn't find either of these people on social media to thank them. We got really awesome, sweet mail from Emma mm. and also Amanda. They were really, really sweet notes and um, a little bit of artwork of us basically as Ghostface from Emma. That's oh, awesome. very cool. Um, I'm going to show it on camera. If you're interested in seeing that, you can go to youtube.com slash talk bomb and all of our videos are there. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It's really, really neat. And that's accompanied by a really nice note. And so is Amanda's. So thank the two of you so much. I tried to find you online to give um, a personal thank you, but I couldn't. So here it is. Thank you very, very much. And similarly, while we're doing shout outs, can we also shout out Matthew? Who made yeah. a, a, a bite-sized Monster Madness onesie for, for baby Zoe. Yes. And Sarah. So adorable. Who sent in a bunch of hand-knitted. There's a, a shawl that we put on. Uh, well, first of all, I wore it. And I put the scrunchies that you sent in my beard as well. Yes. But uh, <laughs> uh, there are all those things. And a book about cryptids and an ornament for Zoe. And there was stuff for Kristen, too. But I'm just not going to let her have it. Um, right. Yeah, Will has... COVID, quote unquote, is really just keeping me away from these sweet knitted goods. I faked COVID to keep yeah. all the stuff you guys send to our P.O. box. Right. P.S. did not fake COVID. Definitely have COVID. I'm fine. Right. <laughs> but right. yes, thank you, everybody who's been sending stuff to the P.O. box. And also, may we please say Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and Happy End of the Year. Yes. We've picked a frosty topic because this is... One of the, the big crazy weeks of the year that a lot of people look forward to. And we wanted a, a frosty badass mm -hmm. to talk so, about. That's right. To bring us on home. So, Will, I think I'm going to kick it off by telling us some, um, you know, history of the Yeti. And then some interesting modern day experiences. Because oh. this this guy's making the scene. <laughs> Is he? Is he an influencer? Not that much. Not that much. I'm not going to lie. He's somewhat making the scene, but definitely, even when I would Google Yeti or Abominable Snowman, Bigfoot stuff was coming up yeah. and stealing its thunder. Because basically, a Yeti is like a Siberian Bigfoot. Yes, this is, I must say, I did sort of anticipate this. I do wonder, and I think it's fine, right? Like, I think, yeah. I think we need to cover the Yeti as as best we can and if it seems to cross over with bigfoot well mm -hmm. guess what that's the fact of the game maybe they're part of the same uh family right. or species or what have you but we've done bigfoot in the past yes um and uh yeti is is technically different but also just like any guide would usually do i think we've just got to cover the yeti from top to bottom oh from, absolutely. from frosty toe to frigid face yeah. <laughs> frigid <good>. friggin' face <laughs> freaking face that was good right off the top thank you um so the idea of the yeti started as part of himalayan folklore and as i said it's basically like winter bigfoot a giant bipedal which means walking on two two legs uh ape-like creature that has sharp teeth most of the time and is covered in depending on who you talk to depending on the depiction either white gray or brown hair um actually before i go any further william what do you think you know about the yeti uh first what, off what do you got uh, you use the phrase just now, Winter Bigfoot, and, uh -huh. I, and I like that a lot. He's uh, Winter you. Bigfoot. 
Maybe yeah. he's, you know, how like um, uh, affluent or rich people will be like, oh, yes, I summer in the Catskills. And I, yeah, they use yeah. the seasons as verbs. Yeah, he winter, Bigfoot winters in the Himalayan mountains. Yeah, it's, it seems he may. Uh, so what do I know about the Yeti? I really think that it would be as simple as saying winter Bigfoot, essentially. Mm-hmm. I know that he's big, hairy Bigfoot, but I know that he's in a frosty environment. I could not have told you a region. I might have right. said North Pole, and I do mm-hmm. think that there are some incarnations in pop culture, which I will be covering later, um, that do show the Yeti to be a North Pole-based creature. Um and the other thing that I would know most about is I'm a big fan of a video game series called Uncharted, which yes. is very much a uh, game series that's inspired by Indiana Jones, an adventurer that's searching for frequently holy relics that we find out over the course of the adventure have supernatural capabilities and mercenaries are also racing you to try to find them. And you're learning about the folklore and the history of them along the way. Uncharted 2 is all about the Chintamani Stone, which takes you to Peru. And uh, you end up in these frosty mountains and you do fight yetis. They're big, hulking, like fanged, like wolf men. And then you what find what color is their fur? Just out of curiosity, because I always thought they were all white. I so was kind of surprised to see that there are brown and gray ones. I'm surprised by that too. I thought that they were all white, but that might just be mm-hmm. a function of being like, well, big white monster or you know big snowy monster yeah white white right um mm-hmm. but yeah no they've got like black fur in the video game but the twist in the mm-hmm. video game is that there are like um uh guardians human guardians who guard the chintamani stone it's called and they to scare off invaders will don this like warrior's gear that makes them look like a yeti so they aren't oh, okay. there are not really yetis but it's the explanation of the myth in that world is that there are these like fearsome, powerful guardians that would tr- try to scare away anybody who seeks oh, to cool. who seeks their power for ill intent. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Um. What do you think about Tom Holland as Nathan Drake in Uncharted? Do you have any feelings about it either way? Uh, I do a little bit. I mean, the Uncharted series, from what I can tell, is done, done, done. They've made mm-hmm. five video games, so that's plenty, and they all are like cleverly written and, and well performed. And uh, Tom Holland does not fit what I think that series is. I really like yeah. Tom ha- Holland. Um, right. But I think it seems like a film series that was in development hell for a million years. And yeah. I, I don't have high hopes for it at all. It doesn't seem doesn't seem cast right. And I'm mm-hmm. not sure. I'm not sure what they're doing. Also, I, I genuinely think if you make a movie of Uncharted, it's Indiana Jones. Um, yeah. You know, that's true. I too, just from the little I know about Uncharted, which is really watching cutscenes on YouTube, um, find the casting of Tom Holland kind of weird. He's like a little bit too young. Yeah, is basically it. Um, but anyway, I, it's it's on my mind because I saw Spider Man and they had the trailer for Uncharted before it. So, oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I guess I would see it. I, I it's not really on my radar to watch. I guess, um, but it I. Looks- I fine i I would see it but i'm not really like excited to yeah i I get that i will say for people that um are into video games at all i strongly recommend the uncharted series particularly like it's it's very much a series where they study the sort of folklore and you learn about you know how this real life magic thing is actually more horrific than you realized um Mm -hmm. and while they take place in somewhat the modern day nathan drake will constantly find like Oh, the uh, I I managed to get down to these catacombs, and there are all these dead bodies of Nazis down here, which I yeah. think is very plainly, baldly in the tradition of Indiana Jones being like, no, the Nazis were trying to get all of yes. this supernatural power. Nathan Drake is just stumbling across it, you know, seventy years later, which mm-hmm. is which is kind of fun. It, it, it's fun. It almost you know you could you, you could sort of almost imagine Nathan Drake being like, what an archaeologist teacher. Did something in the 50s? Well, that's weird. Yeah. Like It seems like they live in the same universe. 100%. Yes, strongly recommend uh, Uncharted. Yeah. And if you're not that much of a video game player, strongly recommend just looking up Uncharted on um, YouTube. Yeah, super quippy, well-written, a mm-hmm. very, very fun adventure adventure stories with some light horror folklore twists. Yeah, it's it's super cool. Um, So, 
Folklorists who study this sort of stuff think that the legend of the Yeti probably resulted, again, and this seems to be later all but confirmed by scientists, but that the legend kind of resulted from the misidentification of bears, (laughs) um, perhaps yaks or other large animals, crossed with the idea of legends of like monsters out in the wilderness that have been passed down. So basically creating kind of kind of like a, a perfect confirmation bias storm. Right. Like there are these stories about monsters and then you see these large creatures that are perhaps unfamiliar. So you're like, it's that monster. Kind of understandably, honestly, for the time. Yeah, you know? I, I can kind of get behind that. Like if you if you saw something in the distance or if you saw mm-hmm. footprints and they don't add up, you don't know who left them. And by the way, if you leave a footprint in the Himalayan mountains, I'm sure that it does not remain perfectly intact. I'm sure the wind blows the snow and distorts it. So maybe an elongated bear footprint looked more human-like with clawed feet. I don't know. That is theorized to have happened, uh, if not just the one time that I'll tell you about later, I'm sure a million times. Who theorized this? Someone intelligent? Someone very intelligent. So I'm on their par. I'm probably like a professor now. You're probably a doctor of archaeology. Basically, yeah. Is that a thing? Is that what Ross was? Dr. Rogers. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think he also got compared to Indiana Jones at one point, but... Oh, yeah, that's right. Let's face facts. I'm far more actually, <laughs> like Indiana actually, Jones than Ross. I actually remember. He told somebody he was a doctor of archaeology. It was like a woman or something. She's like, oh, wow. So you're like Indiana Jones. And he was like, I am like Indiana Jones. <laughs> like he had never thought about it before. <laughs> And like it was right in front of his face. Yeah, right. He was like, my God, this entire time. And true in every facet of the term. Like he's (laughs) also a badass adventurer. (laughs) Ladies man. Yeah. (laughs) It's very funny. Um, So as we said... It, the Yeti and the Abominable Snowman are the same thing. And the name popped up for the first time in 1921. And it's basically like a stretched out misunderstanding that had the Abominable Snowman be a term that was coined. So there was this dude. His name was Lieutenant Colonel Charles Howard Barry. Whoa. A lot of name. Name soup. Yeah. Um, and they led a Mount Everest recon expedition and then they wrote about it. Um he said that he saw footprints that were, quote, probably caused by a large loping gray wolf, which in the soft snow formed double tracks rather than like rather like those of a barefooted man. And he added that the Sherpas who were his guides, quote, at once volunteered that the tracks must be that of the wild man of the snows, to which they gave the name they gave the name Meto Kang Me. So that translates to man, bear, snowman, basically. And then later on down the line, not super later down the line, but down the line, um, a writer mistranslated the metto of that to filthy instead of man, bear, which I guess is kind of like a hop, skip and a jump. Like a man, bear, I guess would be kind of dirty. Uh, Man, bear, Um, you're kind of a mess. Yeah, you're filthy. Hashtag filthy. <laughs> right? And then when they were writing about this whole thing, they decided to give it a little pizzazz. And instead of using the word filthy, use the word abominable. And then from there, it's abominable snowman is how this person translated it. That is like, that. that, that is some wild, that's a wild synonym. Filthy to abominable. Abominable? Yeah, filthy. Because abominable, I feel like, is kind of like a moral call in some way you know and filthy is just factually dirty or not but i you know i guess back in the day i'm and somewhat today too you know puritanical ideas about cleanliness and stuff just out of curiosity i looked up what the oxford definition of abominable is okay causing moral revulsion yeah i right quote the uprising was suppressed with abominable cruelty very bad you couldn't couldn't say with filthy cruelty a cup of abominable tea does it say that <laughs> it does that is their example and that sounds like something that would be on uh man downton abbey yeah <laughs> this tea is abominable and then yeah. they're like ah the duchess can you believe she said this to me that second movie is coming out soon will in front of harry von yorkshire <laughs> We'll be in the theaters whooping it up along everybody else seeing that. We? Who's we? All too soon. 
We went to see the first one together. You're not going to go see the second one. And we loved it. I did. I liked it a lot. William, yeah, please. <laughs> we had a great time. Krista, not in front of everybody. Okay. Uh, I mean, um, Will hated it. He, yeah, strong I, man. I've got cred. Me, little lady, love teacups. Real quick, anybody out there, do I have cred? Send in your thoughts. Cred? Yeah. Like, like film cred. Way? Or, you know, like, like good taste, you know? I think, well... I generally think that we have good taste. Now, I'm, t- I'm not even talking about you, but our taste definitely butts up against some people's tastes sometimes with movies. Taste with butts. Cr- Christmas rankings. Hit me up at the Myth Traveler. Leave a at review. Do butts. I have good taste? <laughs> <laughs> Let me know. All right. Me too. I want to hear about myself. Only if it's positive. <laughs> um, okay. So from there... Let's actually travel back in time a little bit to the very earliest references to something that seems like a Yeti. In the 1800s, the Lepcha people of the Himalayas worshipped something called a glacier being as the god of the hunt. Um, There were also followers who once believed that the blood of the Mira god or wild man um, had use in certain spiritual ceremonies. And so the being that was depicted in tellings of these sorts of ceremonies was an ape-like creature carrying a large stone as a weapon and who makes a whistling swoosh sound. I couldn't find a lot of clarification on what that means exactly. Are they making it with their mouth? Is it that their fur is rubbing against itself while they're walking like George's pants in that one episode of Seinfeld? Yeah. I'm not totally sure what the whooping, whistling, uh, whistling swoosh swoosh sound, though, makes it sound like a bee with the mouth. So I'm not sure. Whistling swoosh sound. I'm going to back up from the mic real quick. I'm going to attempt this. Ready? Me, 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 me. Whoosh. <laughs> a whistle followed by saying the word swoosh. 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 <laughs> you think that's any good? Well, I, I think you've got I think if you went to the Himalayas and you did that, that would draw the Yeti to you. I might be an abominable snowman. I could, I could probably could pass. I, yeah. I do wonder, when I started that, that whistle... That like that sound of the wind, though. Also, I was gonna say the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe it's the sound of the wind paired with a swoosh. Yeah, maybe it's just the wind and sort of like maybe a. I'm not just... saying the the abominable snowman is an. Uh, 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 oh boy, what's it called? What will the wisp wind? Uh, yeah, like a uh, uh, man. Uh, what are those things called? Where like you know, there's a fire being, a water being. An earth oh, being. elemental. Yeah, I'm not saying he is an elemental, but mm-hmm. the environment itself conveys, oh man, the Yeti may be near because you hear this sound, which is sort of like itself the, the call of winter. Right. Yeah, I like the idea of the Yeti being a, an elemental. You know, he, he comes on the wind mm-hmm. or it's an indication of. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's cool. Um. So... Until the 1900s, there were no settings that were documented. It was always just kind of passed down orally and told. And it seemed like, obviously not 100%, but it it seemed like it was almost always something that somebody told people that somebody else they knew had seen. There weren't a lot of direct things being like, I saw this. It was always like, my cousin saw this. Ah, urban legends. Um, Yeah. But then in the 1900s, sightings started to pick up because Westerners started coming to the Himalayas more often to try to climb the mountains. And so this is just me wondering, can you chalk the increase in sightings up to there being just numbers wise? There are more people on the mountain. So the more people there are, the more they're likely to end up covering enough ground to see one of these. Or is it that there were more people who had come to the Himalayas got to hear the legends of these things from maybe the locals, and then they sort of confirmation bias their way into seeing them. Like I talked about before, they've heard the legend of these things, and they see a bear. They're not from this area. They don't understand it, and so they think they've seen the Yeti. That is Who certainly, knows? That's certainly where my mind goes, at least. I, I'm, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Same. Yeah, I, so, so I think it's not impossible that there is... Um, some sort of species that we know is Bigfoot. 
um, that's like caught in like super duper duper dense woods in America or something it, and, and wherever else. Like it's not inconceivable to me. It could be. I feel somewhat the same way about the Yeti, except that I don't know. I feel like there are even more varial variables simply from the wind. Yeah. Like you said, just like Bigfoot footprints, at least they're sort of just in mud or something. The wind is blowing around the cast, essentially. Exactly. Snow is is probably not the best thing to get a solidly defined, unmoved imprint. Right. So it doesn't even, besides that, it doesn't even make a ton of sense, but I am less inclined to believe in the Yeti than I am in Bigfoot. I, or, I think I agree with that also because, and, and I don't know, you know, this, I'm about, I'm about to say things that, that I, I don't have any reason to fully understand, but mm-hmm. at the idea is lives in high altitude, snowy environments, right? you know, like mountaintops. Yeah. I don't think a gigantic lumbering Yeah, that's it too. Bear man makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense up there. A bipedal like think about like from the the from evolution yeah, standpoint, you'd probably want to walk around on all fours up there. Mm-hmm. If you lived up there. Yeah. Right? Although it seems like they might be seeing bears that are briefly <laughs> going bipedal or something. I don't know. I guess Or maybe so. these bears are just so vastly humongous that you could think that they're on two feet or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um. So the popularity of the idea of the Yeti really took off around the 1950s when a dude named Eric Shipton took pictures that he said he thought were Yeti prints. Oh. Now, these are the ones I was referencing before that um, a lot of people say probably snow blew around and made these footprints look even bigger than they actually naturally were. Even just but from looking they're... at the photographs, people say this? Yes. Do you agree? And then yes. And then there are other people who say that this is the best evidence of Yeti that we have. Now, when I saw that, I was like, and I was later proven wrong, but people at home might be thinking the same thing. I was like, that's the best evidence in 2021 of the Yeti is pictures that were taken in 1950 of footprints that like aren't even solid, but not totally right. Because at first I was thinking like, for Bigfoot, at least we have that, like the Patterson Gimlin video right. and people who say they found Bigfoot hair and stuff. It turns out a lot of people have found hair and brought it to be analyzed that they say is Yeti hair. Um, it has some of it has been inconclusive. Some of it has been been um, inconclusive to the degree that they're like, this is certainly an animal that is like a hooved animal and it's from the shoulder of that animal, but still not more information about the specific animal. And then, like I said, a whole bunch of bears. Okay. Yeah. Lots of bears all over this thing. Um, so for f- some fun stuff that happened semi-recently... Our old friend Josh Gates from Expedition Unknown, we've talked about him in connection to our episode about modern day treasure hunts um, because he investigated The Secret, which was a treasure hunt. Actually, it's still going on around America. And do you remember this? Like on his show, they found one of the treasures. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So it's that guy. A similar thing happens again to him. It seems like this guy's stepping in it left and right or twice. In, you know, like a 20-whatever-year period. Don't say stepping in it when we're looking for a Bigfoot, please. William! I haven't seen any um, any accounts of taking in Bigfoot dung. Yes, yeah, scat. analyzed. Or um, yaddy scatty. Yaddy scatty. <laughs> uh, so Josh Gates did a four-part series on Expedition Unknown called Hunt for the Yeti. And it seemed like they f- it was like... A labor of love or something, because I found an NPR interview with him from 2007 where he was talking about this. And a link is in the show notes. And then the show didn't actually come out until 2016. Oh, wow. Um, So and I mean, this was a globetrotting event. Like they went to Nepal. It was this whole thing. And um, when they were in Nepal, they found footprints that were humongous. They said it was about twice the size of like a big dude's normal footprint. <laughs> and they, well, they, maybe they didn't say big this is dude. like twice the size of a big dude's print. Yeah. <laughs> like you take all that time and effort and that's the best you can 
convey your thoughts, you know? I mean, like perhaps... you spend you spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. You've chartered planes across the planet. You're now in Nepal, which I think I, I meant to say earlier when I was talking about Uncharted, and I said Peru, Nepal. Okay. And uh, you get there, and you're like, look at this. It's like some big dude's <laughs> prints. And they're like, all right, pack it in, everyone. Cool. <laughs> We've been following a dummy. <laughs> I would like to be clear that I, I am that dummy. They didn't say big dude's prints. What do you they look said- here? <laughs> They said like twice the size of a human footprint or whatever. Right. Um, their Nepalese guide is the one who saw it first with their headlamp and then showed the crew and they were like, huh, interesting. And it was like a very clear, good, seemingly undisturbed print with like, you know, a nice drop off um, from the ground level. So they took casts and they brought them to be looked at by an anthropologist who at the time said that they found them too detailed to be fake. Oh. And then later on, he sort of reneged and was like, I'm not totally sure. Maybe that, maybe that's not true. Maybe they could have been fake. He was just all excited. Maybe, I, which I can completely relate to. Yeah, when you're all um, like, you're amped about something and you blurt out something stupid and you can't take it back later. Yeah, and you have a podcast, so it's there for eternity. Exactly. Um, they also found hairs on that trip that they analyzed, and, or they had analyzed, and found an unknown DNA sequence. Oh. So that was one of the samples where it was like, we're not really sure. This is an animal, but we can't pin it to what animal. But, you know, there are a million species of a million different things. Um, you know, different kinds of bears, different kinds of whatever. So while that is very cool and like, who knows, maybe it is some sort of like undiscovered thing that would turn out to be what we've been calling a Yeti. Right. It's also not unheard of to find out that this is actually the cousin of the blobbity blah bear. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we just don't know about it yet or something. Yes. Um, another wild thing that happened in connection to Yetis is that a Russian official, uh, staged a fake Yeti sighting just this past year in April, trying to attract tourists to Siberia. And I'm just going to read this New York Post article because it's, it's a shorty anyway. Uh, they said it was an abominable Russian snow job. Uh, I know. Aman Tuliev, one of Putin's longest serving regional leaders, has copped to arranging bogus sightings of the Yeti to attract tourists in Siberia. Tuliev, who is governor of Kemerovo Oblast from 97 to 2018, ordered a tall bureaucrat to wear an, abom- an abominable snowman outfit so he could be spotted in the bushes by visitors to the, <laughs> cash scra- the cash-strapped Siberian region. He had to, like, crouch in the bushes? Yes! Yes. Everyone, look, it's a Yeti! I think he's making right. berries! And it's and like some, we get- <laughs> some dignitary... <laughs> You know, yeah, bureaucrat. And as we get further, if I remember correctly, it's that they turned a coat inside out that had a furry lining. So stupid. And used, I know it's so stupid, and used that as the costume. There it is. Um, but despite the Bigfoot-like stunt, the former presidential candidate says he doesn't rule out the mythical creature's existence. Many local hunters swear they saw a two-meter giant with their own eyes in remote places covered in hair. Scientists have not yet been able to meet with him, but they seem to have found traces. I must admit, I confess, yes, it was I who fueled interest in the Yeti. It was I. I know. I'm not sure Uh, if in Russian if that has the same pomp and circumstance. I'm not sure either, but it sounds fun. Twas I who concocted a Yeti. (laughs) (laughs) But wait, my motives were pure. Right. He was trying to bring, you know, money to the area. So initially, initially, he arranged an annual Yeti day and offered a cash prize for proving the creature's existence in efforts to, to boost tourism. This is because a 2011 video purported to show a Yeti at Mount Zelyonaya in the same spot, or excuse me, in the same district. Two years later, school children claimed to have spotted the hirsute Himalayan creature. People started coming, rushed to scour the forests. Of course, no one found the Yeti, but Shoria attracted increased attention. And so, uh, wait, they wrote this again. That's so weird. And it says, but he added, I must admit, I confess, yes, it was I who fueled interest in the Yeti. Maybe, maybe <laughs> he said wrote it this. twice. 
Yeah, did he say it twice or did whoever write this just really like that line? Maybe he also concocted this article and he was trying to get as much attention as possible. Everyone gather around. Twas I who concocted the illusion of a Yeti. And then people start looking at their phones and walking away and then he just says it louder. Twas I! Twas I! Forestalled your judgment. (laughs) My cause was noble. Twas I who concocted a Yeti crouched about in yonder bush. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. And so when interest eventually faded after that incident, he ordered District Chief Vladimir Makuta to, quote, find someone tall, throw off his office suit, turn her fur coat inside out, and run around shouting so that tourists notice, but they must not catch him. They must not. <laughs> Get him! <Yeah. laughs> right? like, I, all right. That's just so stupid. It's ridiculous. At so, the same yeah. rate, it gives me an idea. Should we be offering some form of like a cash prize if people can prove to us the existence of the supernatural or psychic ability or something? Yeah, totally. Should we just take some Patreon money and set it aside and say this is – if you can prove to us beyond a shadow of a doubt. At the very least, we would get really cool, interesting things. Subject to our own interpretations and objective opinion and, you know, all these things. It's Yeah, I don't expect us to get conclusive proof of the supernatural. I would love no. that, um, but I don't think so. So I don't have a whole lot of fear about having to pay that out. I'm going to no, say that up front. But I would love to be challenged on that. So Exactly. I, I, I uh, yeah. I don't know. All right, so here, I have one last thing that I must tell you because Please, yes. this was a little uh, bon mot that was dropped in that previous article that I went Googling to find more information on. They also they just did a roundup of other people who have said that they've seen a Yeti and they said that there was a Russian man who said that the abominable sm- snowman posed for him for a drawing. And so I was like, I got to find out more about what? this. So this is another article. This one is from The Mirror, um, reposted from a Russian website. And the deal is that Andrei Lubchenko says that the Yeti even gave him an autograph. And he admits people may well think he's insane when he describes the brief encounter. The artist says he met the fabled creature in the remote mountains of the Kemerovo region in Russia. It happened so unexpectedly and fast that I had no time to get sp- to get scared. There was a clear feeling that this was a thinking creature, and I felt that he was trying to talk to me. The Yeti was about two and a half meters tall with thick, dark brown hair like a bear's, but a lot softer. He was holding a wooden stick with bits of hair wrapped around it. But the main thing was his eyes. They were just like light-colored human eyes. So this happened after dawn in a remote spot in the mountains that is famed for claims that it has a Yeti reputation. Uh, Population, excuse me. Um, So he says, I went out onto a small open patch and there I felt the Yeti's presence. I turned back and I saw him standing up deeper in the woods, not going away and trying to communicate. The creature's body shape was male and his feet were 18 inches long. His body was very toned with lots of visible muscles. His hands and feet were proportionate to his body the same way as with humans. And his face was expressive just like his eyes. Then he communicated with the giant creature and said, I can't describe or understand how we spoke because, well, it sounds unbelievable. It felt like we heard each other's thoughts as if it was telepathy. There was only one word that the Yeti actually said when I asked his name. His voice was low and chesty, and the name sounded as if somebody hit a tambourine twice. Taban. In the shore language of Siberia, the article says this could mean the one who wasn't discovered. Ooh. Uh, the guy, I know. The guy didn't have a phone with a camera, so he used a pencil to draw the beast on birch bark. Um, I made a drawing of the Yeti and showed him. The Yeti studied it really carefully for a while and then drew a symbol next to my drawing. He doesn't know what the, the scribble means, but he hopes that it was a symbol, a symbol of friendship. He said he knew that people would call him insane, and he said, All I can say about myself is that I'm as normal as one can find. I'm physically and mentally healthy. I don't drink or take drugs. And um, the artist is seen as a reputable person locally and is well known. So that's that's very interesting. One thing that I just want to point out. So, yes, he did not have a phone that had a camera. 
So he right. drew on a piece of birch bark with a pencil. Right. He also so if he if he needed the birch bark, he didn't have anything mm-hmm. to draw on. Why did he yes. have a pencil? Hmm. Interesting question. Interesting question. Right? It's not it's not a smoking gun. This That's does not good. this it's not a tower of cards, but mm-hmm. what was that for? That's a good mind trap question. You know? Well, if he I am making this up. Who the hell knows? He said he went out to a small open patch. He had been camping. Maybe he just like left his drawing stuff in the tent or whatever, but he happened to have a pencil in his pocket. It's not, it's certainly not impossible. You know, there, it's, it's, it's perfectly reasonable put, like, to, to go somewhere and just and happen to have a pencil. Yeah. I'm just saying mm-hmm. it's a little weird. It's a little weird. Also, this happened in 2015. So, People, you know, had their cell phones around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Maybe he went out to commune with nature. Who knows? Yeah. I, I Yeah. I, I, one thing that I think I have stumbled across, mm-hmm. um, it's just been like the IMDb trivia for a few things that I've looked at, is that Big or uh, Yeti supposedly yeah. sometimes is said to have psychic abilities. So okay. this like communicating via telepathy thing Mm-hmm. Is sort of tracking with with stuff that I've sort of seen people offhandedly reference. Yeah. Um, also, Yeti, you you mentioned at the top of the show, like what if it's not an animal that you know has evolved over the course mm-hmm. of millions of years the same way that we have and just haven't come across, but rather right. what if it is a creature from another dimension? Yeah, like mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it's essentially. I'm not an alien when I say like alien, I don't mean from like another planet, but right. you know, a, I think a being I wrote, from another universe. I think I wrote an article for Hunt a Killer about the theory that Bigfoot is from another dimension. Um it's yeah, a I whole think you did. thing. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It's a rabbit so, yeah. hole. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I got. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um uh I I what if, yes, what I if, did. If you if you Google Bigfoot Hunter Killer, the, it's the first thing that comes up, and um, I think you can probably apply all of the thoughts in that to the idea of the Yeti. Cool. Is there? Did you? Mm-hmm. Is that one of the ones that you also like? Did a little mini podcast reading the article? I think so. I think I did that for all of them. Sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Go check mm-hmm. that out, everybody. I'll I'll put a link in the uh, the show notes to that. Cool. Um. Uh. One thing that I wanted to say. Oh, so he drew the Yeti on a piece of birch bark. Mm-hmm. And then the Yeti drew something himself. Did he take the guy's? Yes. Pe- he took the guy's pencil. I guess like he took the, the guy's pencil. So he, so he knew how to. He must did he, have to give the pencil back, or and also it's a great question. What if what he wrote is like this drawing is a piece of shit? <laughs> you know? Yeah, right, right. That symbol might have meant you suck. Get away from me. Yeah, exactly. You'll never see me again. <laughs> You've you ruined here. it. Yeah. I don't know. He hung around for a pretty long time. Sayonara, sucker. Sounds like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I have I have looked up a bunch of stuff from uh, pop culture here um, to share with you. And Wonderful. I think I just want to start with um, a couple of things that are more recent. So mm-hmm. there are a recent couple of kids movies that came out. Um, in oh, 20, yeah, yeah uh, big, uh, I keep doing that. I keep calling him Bigfoot. The abominable, mm-hmm. uh, abominable snowman, the Yeti, whatever seems to be popular with children right now. Uh, in 2018, there was a movie called small foot where I okay. believe a Yeti finds a child and is like, well, we have big feet. This, this thing has got a small foot. <laughs> and, uh, in 2019, there was a movie called abominable. Um, right. And then even before that, in Monsters, Inc., the Pixar movie, which is all about the economy of monsters and monsters that do work and stuff like that, they reference uh, the fact that the Yeti may have been banished from their offices somewhere. Mm. It turns out, so Sully, played by John Goodman, ends up in the Himalayan mountains where he comes across the Yeti. And the Yeti makes him comfortable even offering him yellow snow cones. He ins- you don't want that. Don't he take insists it. insists they're lemon. But then at one point <laughs> on Disney.Fandom.com, they go, but at one point he leaves the cave saying he needs to go make more snow cones. Oh, no. <laughs> so, I don't know. They're riding that line. He really showed his hand. He does. And he's got this quote, abominable. Can you believe that? Do I look abominable to you? Why can't they call me the adorable snowman? 
or or the agreeable snowman for crying out loud. I'm a nice guy. That's a good question. <laughs> it's a pretty cute, cute, cute thing. But uh, cute. similar to you, I want to go back in time. I want to fly way back. And I want to talk about the first time uh, a Yeti, an abominable snowman, whatever this thing is, appeared in film. Uh, and it was in the, the – the one that's most cited is a 1912 movie, over 100 oh years God. old, 109 years old, almost 110 years old. Mm-hmm. A movie called The Conquest of the Pole. And it is, Kristen, it is incredibly charming this thing i i found it online and it is very much remember that um smashing pumpkins music video it totally yes and it you know like all of these they almost look like high school theater sets Mm -hmm. a lot of the time this i'm blanking on what video it was but like from if you think of melancholy and the infinite sadness like you would think of this video yeah i think it's 1979 shouts out 1979 (laughs) no it's not that one that no. All right, it's another one where he whispers all. It's always whispering. It's always whispering that guy, <laughs> Billy yeah. Corgan. But so uh, these people crash land at the the North Pole or the Himalayas, and when they step out of their plane, it looks like a high school set. It's all just like painted rocks. Um, if you go in the video version right now, um, there's going to be a link to the video version from the show notes. I'm able to drop a couple of clips to this thing. Mm-hmm. It's just very charming, but that old silent film kind of quality, everything's yeah. overcranked. Like the speed of people moves weird and there are jump cuts all over the place. So it looks really cool. It, it looks wonderful. So they, uh, they get to the top of this mountain where they encounter the abominable snowman himself. Now, um, uh, I'll be able to show you this thing again in the video version, but before I even show it, I want to try to describe it because it's almost impossible to describe. They don't bother having a person in a costume as the abominable snowman. Instead, what they made is a gigantic puppet. I'm going to say this puppet is probably 15 to 20 feet tall. Oh, wow. It is a head, shoulders, and arms that are being puppeteered. Almost like King Kong, it's able to reach out and grab people in its hands. And so they're fighting this thing. It's got icicles for a beard and it reaches out and it grabs some of these people and eats them. So some of these adventurers. Awesome. Doesn't this look so cool? Oh, I love this. You have to give this a goog at home or come watch the video. So wow. He's holding a bunch of villagers in one hand, and when he goes to eat them, it's a jump cut, and suddenly there are no humans here anymore. And the giant mm-hmm. puppet just has a bunch of fabric hanging out of its mouth that gets pulled deeper and deeper into the throat. So it's mm-hmm. signifying well enough they've been eaten. And right. And I feel like it's worth mentioning this is a human. Like they're taking abominable snowman. Yeah. Literally, it's it's a human face that's this puppet. It's not kind of the animal that we've been talking about. Correct. Yeah. When he first appears, he's even smoking a pipe. He's yeah. almost just meant to be sort of like a human giant right. that is up here at like, you know, the North Pole or in the Himalayas, uh, mm-hmm. however you want to look at it. Um, but the crazy part is the term abominable snowman wouldn't even be coined for nine years at the time that movie was made. So they were making a movie that seems to be rooted in the myths of there being something in the mountains without knowing the name Abominable Snowman. They might have known Yeti. They might have known Yeti. But this is essentially like riffing on folklore before it was popularized at all. What was this called? This is called The Conquest of the Pole. Oh, okay. I brain farted. I thought that it had Abominable Snowman in the name. Okay. No, no. We'll, we'll, we're we're going to get there in just a second, honestly. Mm-hmm. But no, that seems to be the earliest, and that's 1912. And again, I find it to be incredibly charming. Yeah. yeah um, it's really cool looking. Now, you mentioned in your segment that the, the Abominable Snowman Yeti stuff really seemed to get popular in the 50s, mm-hmm. which makes sense in pop culture, too, because there was, in 1954, a film called the snow creature. Uh, this is the, the plot synopsis from IMDb American botanical expedition in the Himalayas stumbles across a Yeti den. They capture one and transport it back to Los Angeles where it escapes while customs officials are debating whether it is an animal or a human. 
Okay. So this sounds a lot like Jurassic Park 2 <laughs> to me, where they take a dinosaur to Los Angeles yep. and it wreaks havoc. Actually, I think that yeah. movie might be called The Lost World, Jurassic Park 2, in the vein of Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. <laughs> yes, it is, actually. That is the case. Um, it, from the IMDb trivia, somebody wrote this. 60% of this movie is film of people just walking, hiking, and running. <laughs> That's all it is. It has got terrible reviews. Here's the one that people seem to, by and large, know about. This is, quote unquote, the, the first or the big one, however you want to look at it. 1957, The Abominable Snowman, starring mm -hmm. Peter Cushing. Who yeah. People may know from a million films. Uh, he's in Star Wars. He's a, a very classic uh, performer. Mm -hmm. Written by someone named uh, Nigel Neal. And this, in turn, is actually an adaptation of a play the BBC put on live, also oh, starring cool. Peter Cushing. It was, it, was, it was performed live twice, never recorded. There are no recordings of this performance. And then they took that idea and made it a movie. And that's wow, what this that's is. Cool. And it is a lot of fun. I, I watched this and there is a scene. I talked a lot about Indiana Jones before. Quite frankly, mm -hmm. looking at Abominable Snowman stuff, I've got Indiana Jones on the brain a lot. There yeah. is a scene in this movie where Peter Cushing sits around a table with a bunch of people. They're all going up to the Himalayas and they are squabbling among each other and even in the vein of Indiana Jones, there's a lot of like xenophobic, like, what is the custom here? Well, these people are crazy type sure. stuff going on. So it's, <laughs> Always. Re it's really got it all. Um, yeah. But so they're debating whether or not there is an abominable snowman. Somebody from the area is like, no, of course there's not. It's ridiculous. There is no snowman. Um, and there's even a moment where an American hands this little ornament thing to Peter Cushing. It's this little cylinder. And Peter Cushing is looking at it. He's like, oh my God, the inscriptions talk about some sort of a god of this region. And it starts to get really sort of tense and spooky as he's looking at this, this like ornament and digging into the folklore of it. And he hands it back to the American who goes, and what you may not have seen is that the ornamentation hides a secret. And he takes the little cylinder and he unscrews the base from it. And pulls the top off, revealing a gigantic fang. There is an cool. enormous canine tooth in there. And as they're looking at it, Peter Cushing is like, my God, well, this, it's, it's incredibly well manufactured. But obviously, this, this couldn't be real. They're like, how couldn't it be real? He's like, why, if this were real, this is probably three times the size of even, why, a silverback gorilla's fang. So there's all of this like buildup and, and yeah. you know, the, the eerie folklore and refusing to believe it. They even take it to like um, the, the, the leader of this region, whatever, who goes, ah, yes, you found it. You found it. They're like, you knew that it uncapped and there's a fang in there. And he goes, of course I knew about it. This was quite a challenge for the elders to carve out of, out of stone. And they're like, you're telling me this isn't real. And he goes, of course it's not real. So even the, the guy who lives in the area is insisting this is not a real thing. There are no abominable snowmen. Peter Cushing and all these adventurers journey up into the mountains where they absolutely encounter abominable snowmen. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just like a lot of fun. It's like I got some of that Why adventurer's that guy, vibe. Did that guy know that there was a snowman and he was denying it? or So that's the big, that's the big question. There's a lot. There's a surprising theoretical depth to this story so um this was a, a film made by hammer which mm -hmm. you may know from the term like hammer horror christopher yep. lee playing you know dracula and they, they were frequently sort of like i don't want to say fully exploitative but they were just sort of like cheap horror cheap mm -hmm. easy scares and then this movie comes along where Peter Cushing and, and everybody, they're being like, well, yes, we must discover these things. And Peter Cushing wants to study it for research and to know about the world and for knowledge's sake. And other adventurers want to go to study it because it's a, a beast and they can, they can probably hunt it or kill it or, boy, how people are going to pay me for this find, things like that. And when they ultimately find the abominable snowmen, um, yeah, they, they, they kill one. And they believe that they're big, hulking mindless monsters and then mm -hmm. when peter cushing is the only one left people have n died now you know in avalanches and um he's the he's the last surviving person he notices 
the yetis gathering up their dead and mourning and they're intelligent they have a process and they have a civilization and they lock eyes with peter cushing and when he journeys back down the mountain he tells that village elder i have found no evidence of there being abominable snowmen and they end the movie on that note whoa so you never know peter cushing could one be trying to do what presumably the village elder is doing and protect these creatures that live up the mountain or there is an implication in this movie that the yetis have some ability to to communicate telepathically and maybe he is you know hypnotized by the abominable snowmen to forget so you don't know the movie the movie ended up bombing and part of the theory as to why is that people did not expect from Hammer Horror to get anything that had an inconclusive ending yeah. or a ponderous, you know, yeah, question. Yeah, like some depth. Exactly. And I, I, I'm kind of intrigued by that. So I, 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 this movie is certainly, you know, it's a 50s movie and, and it can be challenging to watch something where it's not of the like modern pacing, things mm-hmm. like that. I really enjoyed it. And, and like cool. I said, particularly that scene of them sitting around the table, like, I could feel the DNA of what, you know, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas were probably really into when they wanted to make Indiana Jones and have it be an yeah. adventurer's thing. And it was, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. And then That's I, cool. and then I have uh, this note from Wikipedia. So the, um, the screenwriter, Nigel Neal, his biographer says that the film is eerie and effective and also suggests that the scenes of the expedition members calling out to their lost colleagues across the wastelands influenced similar scenes in the Blair Witch Project. Oh, that's cool. So that's weird, too. Like some of that yeah. like lost in the wilderness stuff mm-hmm. people are, are citing. Now, a lot of people only talk about the horror DNA in Blair Witch of found footage and creating yeah, found right. footage and authenticity. But yeah, that feeling It's of, also a lost in the wilderness thing. Absolutely. And so it was sort of fun to see anybody cite Blair Witch in, in you know, a, a Peter Cushing film from the 50s. It yeah, that's kinda, cool. Kind of fun. Um, so from there, let's talk about uh, some, uh, I think, I guess maybe this is my last couple of things I'm going to tell you about. Cool. For one, there is, um, uh, I felt I just probably should mention these. One is uh, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, the second Star Wars movie. The beginning of this movie, it takes place on an ice planet called Hoth. And Luke is riding a a stupid horse, (laughs) a stupid lizard horse (laughs) called Tauntaun. Tauntaun? A Tauntaun. And then he gets attacked. How do you spell that? T-A-U-N-T-A-U-N, I believe. Okay, yeah. And uh, uh, by the way, the music video is Tonight Tonight. From uh, uh, I'm looking at the chat right now, where Kate is saying that the Smashing Pumpkins music video I was trying to cite before is Tonight Tonight, oh. and I just said Tauntaun and Tonight Tonight and Tauntaun started to combine <laughs> in my head, and it got very messy for a moment there. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry to flash back to an earlier conversation. Yeah. But so uh, they get attacked by a thing called a wampa, uh, mm-hmm. a god awful thing called a wampa, and it it lives in a cave. It's a big icy monster with horns on its face, and it hangs luke from the top of the cave and it slashes his face and it wants to eat him oh no and then luke cuts its arm off and gets away and that's it oh so is that kind of a yeti sort of thing a hundred percent yeah it's basically just like a giant cold yeti monster yeah thing how does it hang him from the top of the cave unclear i'm not really sure it seems to have maybe i i think if i'm remembering right it sort of like freezes his foot to the ceiling lag tight yeah i i don't really know what's going on or might. My, I can't remember exactly. which is which. I have zero idea, and I hope mm. I never find out. I know there's some sort of like device to remember having to do with the M. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I've, I've, I've got no idea. So, um, and then there is The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor from 2008, where Brendan Fraser fights a, a bunch of yetis. Oh, oh, I think I started watching that and I turned it off or something. That makes sense. Because we covered The Mummy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think I couldn't do the second one. Yeah, I watched this for the first time only a couple of years ago. I don't remember if it was for the show or not. But mm-hmm. there is a moment where the Yetis 
like kick someone, <laughs> like, like maybe they like punch a guy and he goes flying. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> I'm sure it does make sense. I bet it was like a wire trick thing. Yeah, true. I true. mean, was this like around the time that Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon came out? I think so. so. Was doing like crazy wire tricks. I think so. So, so I, yeah, I bet a, I bet a Yeti kicked somebody in the chest and they went absolutely flying. They, they go like flying a million miles away. And yeah. then these CGI Yetis, one of them does the field goal sign. Oh my and God. And another one of these Yetis goes like, yes, like pumps <gasps> his fist. Is in oh. this movie. What do they make the Yetis look like? Uh, they look like giant. Um, I would say, yeah, pro- like bear, bear men. I guess okay. the face, their their face, their their muzzle feels a little more feline to me. Hmm. Uh, uh, but yeah, just like big hulking white yeah. fur bodybuilder yeah. guys. Yeah, bad guys. Bad guys. Oh my god. And then the last one here is from Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Okay, good, because if you didn't mention this, I was going to bring it up myself. Oh, I've got it. Um, Maybe you'll have details you want to fill in. I don't know. I don't think so. But this is uh, 1964, one of those Rankin-Bass claymation movies. So this might be the appropriate note to end on this this launch week, right right before Christmas. Yeah. Uh, Villains.fandom.com has a page all about the abominable snow monster. From Rudolph it's the funny that he's even like at the level that you'd be on villains.fandom.com. I know, he's on the villains wiki, where they explain that he is Rudolph's arch nemesis. <laughs> Which I think is a little much. I think, if anything, society is Rudolph's arch nemesis because they're trying to hold him down. You're right, yes. Yeah. You are 100% right. Um, he's known... So, Abominable Snowman, but they, they call him by a nickname... Which is Bumble. Yeah, or the Bumbly. The bum the Bumbly? Okay. Mm-hmm. I think Yukon Cornelius calls him the Bumbly. They say they describe him by saying he's mean, he's nasty, and he hates everything to do with Christmas. <laughs> Which is very Grinch like, but I think is a fine Yeah. That's a fine thing for a a, a, a Rudolph arch nemesis to have as his focal point. He hates Christmas. Yeah. So uh, I wrote down I just wrote the word what? And then I copy and pasted their explanation of the plot. So I'm just going to read it to you now. Perfect. All right. Hermie. Can you explain who Hermie is? Hermie is an elf who wants to be a dentist. Thank you. Hermie. I think this is the end of the movie. (laughs) So spoilers for Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer from 1964. Hermie lured the bumble out by making oinking noises. Just outside yeah, this the is cave. Gross. It sounds stupid. Do you remember it? No. It's gross and creepy. I probably repressed it. Probably. Why would oinking noises bring the abominable snowman out of a cave? I don't know, but they do. Thinks like it's a pig to eat? I don't know. I guess. Uh, after which, Yukon, Yukon Cornelius, mm-hmm. first caused an av- avalanche of snow to knock him down, then dislodged a boulder to bring it down on the bumble's head which knocked him out cold. Yikes. When the bumble awoke, he noticed that all of his teeth had been pulled out. Oh my God. I completely forgot that. Hermie took them all out with his pliers. Oh my God. I had completely forgotten. That is deranged. That's why Hermie wants to be a dentist. There's a setup. That Hermie wants to be a dentist, and here at the end of the movie, he yanks teeth out of the abominable snowman's head with pliers. Oh, my God. Yukon Cornelius no longer saw Bumble as a dangerous threat and started to fight it. Uh, Bumble backs away cowardly due to him not having his teeth to menace the group with. I just felt a wave of sadness. It's horrible. It's, It's just awful. Yeah, that's very sad. I don't like the, I can picture the Bumble looking sad and like backing off from Yukon Cornelius. Yeah, now it's scared, you know? It probably should have been attacking people before, right? Like, of course not. But like now they have ripped its teeth out with pliers pliers, and now they outnumber it and it's scared. It's just- This is sick. I'm demoting. They're sick. They're real sickos. We just did a ranking episode um, on Patreon. We did. And I put Rudolph, this movie, at a B. I would like to knock it down now to a C. To a C? Least. Really? To at least a C? Yeah. I, I would give it a D. 
Yeah, I'm fine with a D now too. That that's horrible. Ripping ripping someone's teeth out with pliers is not my idea of a fun Christmas. No. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you all do <laughs> in your homes. So um Yukon and his dogs corner him toward the ledge and they all fall off a cliff. Rudolph and Hermie believed that they were dead and returned to Santa's workshop very sadly. However, Yukon and the Bumble survived the fall and returned to help Santa with the toys. With no more teeth, Yukon managed to reform Bumble, and he followed him everywhere he went, even helping put a star on top of the tree, which no one else could reach. Yes. So they try to put a bow on it. They yeah, try to I, I dress it up. now... Somebody gives him a present, a Christmas present. He's like, for me. That rings a bell. And I, th- and I think sheds a little like crystalline tear. Yeah, because they're finally being nice to him after yeah. crushing his head with a boulder, ripping out all of his teeth, pushing him off a cliff, and then like domesticating him. Come on. Right? And turning him into like a weird servant who has to follow Yukon Cornelius everywhere he goes. Right. Ugh. It's sick. It's a sick film. And yeah, it's for sick, sick people. Movie. And you're all yeah. sick out there for enjoying it. <laughs> year after year. You watch this once every 365 days. <laughs> like you're How setting an you? alarm to enjoy this disgusting, perverse tale. <laughs> I'm I'm looking askance at all of you. I am shocked. <laughs> shocked. Well, that shock is going to take us on out, William. (laughs) Thank you so much, everybody, for listening, for watching. We really hope you enjoyed the show. We hope you have a great weekend if you're listening in real time, whether that includes Christmas or not. Yeah. Um, If you would like to put a little present in our stocking, you can go over to patreon.com slash gttupod. You can choose there to uh, get a bonus show every week, a bonus show every other week, or a bonus show every four weeks, depending on what you would like to donate. And that helps keep Guides the Unknown going and happening. Thank you so much to all of our existing patrons who are already over there and when you sign up you get access to everything else that has already been available for people in your tier so there's a lot a lot of stuff to dig into yeah so thank you all so much uh if you want to put a little candy in our boots Mm. like uh the german santa does Mm -hmm. puts candy in shoes Sinterklaas. Yeah, Sinterklaas. Um, this coming Monday, I believe, Kristen and I are going to be reviewing the new Matrix movie. Yep. Matrix Revolutions. Re- Resurrections, I think. Okay. We're going to talk about it. I've watched all the Matrix movies to prepare. I assume you've watched none. Correct. I am so thrilled. Don't watch anything. I want to see what happens to you. What do you mean? I've heard. Uh-huh. It's beneficial to have caught up. Well, I'm planning on like reading stuff to catch up. I'm sure that there's somewhere online that's like primer before you go see The Matrix. Oh, see, I want you to be as lost as possible. I think that would be a lot of fun. I think that would be a lot of fun. Anyway, we'll get into it. That'll be this Monday's Patreon-only show. And as we said, Mm -hmm. the one that we just did that's waiting for you right this second is Kristen and me ranking all of these different Christmas-themed things. So we did Christmas movies which is why we ended up talking about uh, the Rankin-Bass claymation films. Um, We did Nightmare Before Christmas Monsters, Mm -hmm. and then we ended it with all of the traps in the Home Alone series. Yep. At least the first two, the original two. Yeah, we left French Stewart out of it for once. (laughs) For once. You know we can't get enough of him, but we let him take a break. Um, (laughs) But so that that particular leg of the conversation uh, made me laugh so hard. Me too. And it was so filled with us just commenting on really the the mayhem and madness yeah, the, of Kevin McAllister. The, ins- the sadism. <laughs> the sadism, yeah. So I hope you enjoy that, everybody. <laughs> I re-listened to that. Did you really? it was so much fun, yes. Oh, uh, it was so much fun. Uh, yeah. So that's all waiting for you, patreon.com slash gttupod. You can find links to everything that we do on gttupod.com, including links to our merchandise, to uh, find our P.O. box, where people have once again been sending us amazing things in the mail. Um, You can reach out to us with your stories that you would like to have us cover in the future, whether they're topics of us uh, for us to discuss or maybe something you experienced. Hit us with those things. 
And also, of course, on Guide to the Unknown's website, every previous show that we have ever done. You can leave a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts, or they're adding the ability to review to Spotify. Yes. So I would greatly appreciate it if you would all help kick off our our reviews over there because that would be awesome. Yeah, because a lot of people use Spotify now. Exactly. Let's hit the ground running on Spotify, mm-hmm. um, and you can also reach out to us directly. That's right. I'm at Chillin' Kristen. I'm at the Myth Traveler. The show is at GTTU Pod. Yeah. So we'll be back next week for the final guide to the unknown of the year 2021. But until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworld, go we. Jing, 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 jingle bells, jing, jingle bells. What was that? <laughs> jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in one horse open sleigh. Jingle, 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 jingle. <laughs> Good God. What was that? I don't know. Just like a jazzy jingle bell. Was that Kim Cattrall? No. No. What did what she do? Didn't she do like some like jazzy? Yeah, she scattered. It was like, oh god, what'd she say? I used to have this memorized. It was like, Uchikaka wee wee. As soon as I see it, it's gonna hang on. Uchikaka wee wee. <laughs> <laughs>